Father, that's our prayer. God, just that as you bring your word, God, that we would build our life on that foundation. God, that we would look to you and that we would put our trust in you, God. Father, we thank you for today and we pray and ask and plead with you, Father, that you would continue to move in our lives. God, that as Brother Lee brings his word, God, that you would speak and that you would move and that you would touch the hearts of those who are here. God, and that if they don't know you, God, that they would encounter you and know you and just come to love you, God. That's what it's about. God, we love you. We give you this time. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 24. Last week, we looked at that Jesus is going to return immediately after that great tribulation. And there's going to be that cosmic disturbance. The sun, the moon, the heavens are going to be shaken. The sun and the moons are going to be darkened. And then there's going to be the sign of the Son of Man, His appearance. And He's going to come with power and great glory. And there's going to be a gathering of all the elect. Peter said about the end times in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says that scoffers are going to be scoffing. And one of the things that you may have heard yourself from time to time, some scoffers scoffing, one of the things you hear so much is, you know, where is he? I mean, if you believe that Jesus is returning, then my stars, it's been a long time. I mean, it's been, what, 2,000 some odd years since he came and he promised that he was going to return. I mean, how long are you going to wait? I mean, how, how crazy can you be that you would believe that this guy, Jesus, was going to return? I mean, who else? Nobody else has returned. Abraham hasn't returned. Uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln hasn't returned, you know. What, what do you mean that this one man is going to return and scoffers are going to scoff? And uh, scoffers are going to say that we are weak to believe in this, we are foolish to believe in this, that we are duped, that we are tricked, that we are very vulnerable people, and that man, uh, the influencers of religion have come along and have tricked you into believing something that's absolutely so farce that it's so far-fetched that you are and I am are very weak-minded and we are really, really led astray. To answer the scoffers, Peter said, first of all, to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And so Peter says to the scoffers, you got to understand that time from God's perspective is very different from our perspective and so if a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day to God, it's only been two days. And so that's not a lot of time. So we're going to hang in there. And then Peter says, you know, look around you. God created all this. God created the world. God created the land. God has created the heavens. God has created all the water. He has created man. He's created life. I mean, you know, wouldn't you wait patiently on the one who's the creator? And then it goes through, and, and probably uh, the, the most important thing to remember in what we, from our perspective, may think is the delay of the coming of Christ, Peter says, you know, God is not uh, impatient. He is long-suffering. 
And, and he is waiting for people to return to him, to come to him, to believe in him. And, and it's his desire that all would come to know Christ. And so the very fact that we may be sitting there being laughed at, being uh, insulted because we're, we're the crazy nuts that believe that Jesus is returning, that, that we would understand that if indeed it has been a lengthy, lengthy wait for the return of Christ, it's all because of His grace. It's because of His grace. And He's waiting, and He's waiting, and He's waiting, and He's always waiting for people to repent and believe and trust in Him. So understand that as you believe in Christ, as you wait for Him to return, as you, as you have put your hope and your trust in Jesus, that you are going to be scoffed at, you are going to be laughed at, you are going to be ridiculed, you are going to be seen as weak, uh, vulnerable people. And rejoice with that, because that is the way it's going to be. But we who believe and trust, we who are weak, we who are vulnerable, we who are perhaps, from the world's perspective, misguided and nuts and crazy, we wait for the return of Christ. And so we're seeing what Jesus has to say in His answer to when will these things be and how will these things be? What in the world life is going to be like before the return of Christ? And then uh, in verse 32, He talks about the lesson of the fig tree. He says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. And so this is the simple lesson of the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. That's what a fig tree does. In Israel, there's fig trees everywhere. They were, it was common, much like if you live out here and west of here, uh, you look to the mesquite tree. You think there's going to be any more freezes? I don't know. Let me go check out the mesquite tree. And you go to the mesquite tree, and if the mesquite tree has not put on any buds, you go back and say, it's going to freeze again. Don't put out the tomato plants. Hold on. Don't plant anything yet. It's not time yet. But just as soon as you see a little bud from that mesquite tree, you go, the mesquite tree has told us no more freezes. I, 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 I challenge you to test that to see whether or not that's true. I can only remember one year that you, we seem to got sidetracked by the mesquite tree and I'm not sure that we did I think that the weather was messed up the mesquite tree was right but anyway uh, you can count on the mesquite tree you can count on the fig tree it's just the way it is it's very simple is it going to freeze anymore let me go look at the fig tree you go out and you look at your fig tree and go it must not going to be freeze anymore summer is near the, 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 the fig tree has come alive. It's been dormant all winter long. And now springtime has woken it and, and the branches have become tender and the sap is flowing and it's, it's showing sign of life. And so that's a very simple sign that summer is near. So a believer can be aware of the season. A believer can, who's looking for the coming of Christ, who has faith, can look for those very simple signs. Now, one of the things that I think that what Jesus is letting us know here is that it's, in, in my way of thinking about this, it's much like a rattlesnake. If, if you stumble on a rattlesnake, you know it's a rattlesnake, right? If, if you stumble on a hog nose, 
for a moment, you may think it's a rattlesnake because they're both snakes and they both have some brown in them and things like that. And there's some patterns there that, that gets you. But after a moment, go, no, 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 that's, that's a hog nose. That's not a rattlesnake. How do you know? It, you know when it's a rattlesnake. I mean, you don't have to put it on Facebook and say, what kind of snake is this? If, if you have to ask what kind of snake it is, it's not a rattlesnake. You know why? Because a rattlesnake is doing what? Rattling. It's his nature. He's going to rattle. So it's a very simple process. Not a rattlesnake. A rattlesnake. Not a rattlesnake. So, so you've got that going for it. So it's a very simple thing that when you know you know and and just like the lesson of the fig tree you know when summer is near i think that when this great tribulation happens it's going to end a lot of questioning it's going to be one of those things you know is that a rattlesnake oh yeah is this the great tribulation it, it is it's got to be nothing quite like this i think it's going to be that kind of understanding now once again, it has to do with perspective about where you are at and how things are. But, but in our land, in our country, be looking for those signs that are taking place in the government, in society, in laws and things like that, that are taking place that are, that are moving towards anti-God, anti-believer, anti-faith, anti-religious liberty. Because obviously, those things are going to be in place for this great tribulation to happen. And it may happen very quickly. It may just blow us away and go, rattlesnake, it's here. How could we have been so blind? How could we have not recognized that these things were indeed taking place? So, it's going to be very simple. It's a very simple lesson. Jesus says, learn the lesson of the fig tree. And, and, and learn that when it is time, for the season to come, you're going to know it. Because look at the fig tree, the lesson of the fig tree. And then, and then you see in verse 33, So also, when you see all these things, you know that He is near at the very gates. Truly, verse 34, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. This generation. Well, that, that, that's a, a good question, isn't it? Which is the generation? What does Jesus mean when He says this generation will not pass away before all these things take place? Well, many people believe that this generation is speaking to the Jewish people. Many people believe that, that this is speaking to the disciples and that it was fulfilled in 70 A.D. Could be. I... I personally believe that this generation is referring to the generation that's alive when this great tribulation happens. And that generation that's alive when this great tribulation happens, they're going to be the ones that are going to see all this fulfillment, all this tribulation take place in the coming of Christ. The people that are here when summer comes, when the summer of the return of Christ comes, that they're going to be ones that are alive when this takes place. So this generation. And then in verse 35, he says, something else to understand, something else to look for. Man, this is once again, much like the temple being destroyed. This is hard to believe. This is hard to understand. But once again, we see the reference that heaven and earth will pass away. 
heaven and earth will be no more. What we understand of heaven and earth is not going to be the same. Now, when I think about the heavens, when I think about the sun, when I think about the earth, I just can't imagine, I can't comprehend that the earth will be no more. But the Scripture says heaven and earth will pass away. We see it time and time again. Peter talked about it. Paul has talked about it. It's in the book of Revelation. It, it's, in, it's in the story of the return of Christ. What we understand about the world and the heavens is going to be completely changed. Now, first of all, I think the, the world is heaven. If you take away the sin, if you take away man's inability to get along with each other, if you take away all the things that man has corrupted in this world, the world, I mean, it doesn't get any better in this world. It's beautiful. There are places in this world that will just take, literally take your breath away. I mean, I, you could stand at the Grand Canyon all day long and go, yeah, that's a big, deep hole. Look at that hole. All the colors and all the different things. I wonder when that happened. How'd that happen? How'd that happen? Hawaii's like that. Just gorgeous. There's some vistas in, in Hawaii. And you just go, oh, man. And that nice, cool breeze comes off that water. It's beautiful. The sunsets in Southern California are beautiful off that ocean. That's a beautiful place. I mean, there's just there's beautiful places. The West Texas sunset, look out west every evening. Those colors are pretty spectacular. And depending on the rays and the clouds and what's taking place, and, and sometimes a good dust storm really brings it into being so beautiful. So dust is a good thing to have in that sunset. But the world's a beautiful place. But heaven is going to be so beyond the earth in, in, in that respect. And the place that God is going to provide for us to live is going to be far better than the earth. And so he says, the earth and heaven are going to pass away, but he says, my words will not pass away. My words, his promises, his instructions, his declarations will always be. And so his kingdom will be eternal. And the things of his, his kingdom that he has told us is something that we can count on. So learn the lesson of the fig tree. When it puts out a shoot, it's time for the summer to be there. When you see all these things taking place, understand that he is at the door, he is at the very gates. And truly this generation will not pass away till all these things take place and heaven and earth will pass away. However, you can have the confidence and the faith in knowing that my word will live forever. It will not pass away. So in the next verse, verse 36. But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. Okay. So verse 32 there's a possibility here that we say that we are going to have an understanding of the season. But now, Jesus is saying, no one knows the day or the hour. In a season, there's approximately 2,200 hours. Okay? So in, in, in spring, summer, fall, and winter, there's approximately 2,200 hours, 2,200 hours in that time. All right. Now, you're going to be able to know the hour? No. If you were able to know the hour or even the day in that time compared to the number of hours that are there, it, it, it's just mind-blowing, right? You can't do that. 
they're still outweighed far more by the hours. So their understanding of, of what Jesus is talking about here came from the Galilean wedding tradition. And so when Jesus says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, not even the Son, but the Father only, they understood clearly what that meant. What that meant is this. In Tiberias, in, in other places around the Sea of Galilee, in Nazareth, you know, when a fellow looks across the, down the road or the market and sees a pretty little thing, and they smile at each other and they just make plans that somehow or another they bump into each other getting, you know, grain and getting things and fruit and things at the marketplace. And, and you know, she puts out word, is he interested in me to this friend, and this friend and conversation happens. And then they begin to talk and they begin to have a little courtship, but it's really hidden from everybody for a time. And they're just kind of meeting out in the streets from time to time. And, and but there's an interest in each other. And, and so they have that, de, that, that define the rela relationship conversation and they decide that they are going to, they really both like each other. They're, they're willing to, to, to move forward in their relationship. And so every, they let everybody know that there's going to be a time of engagement. And, and they would go to the city gate because that's where all the big events would take pay, place publicly. And they would go to the city gate and, and the, the, the bride's people are on one side of the gate and the groom's people are on the other side of the gate. And so the groom would have a cup of wine and the groom would walk over and it's a symbolic gesture to see whether or not she would say yes to, will you please marry me? And will you please marry me was that he would pass the cup over to her, and if she's willing, if she's agreeable, and of course by this point she's agreeable, right? I mean, it's going to happen. And so, but but she would take the cup, and she would drink the cup. She would drink the wine. That means we are committed. That means I'm committed to you. That means, yep, we're getting married. And so that. That betrothal period starts right then. And so when Jesus says, can you drink this cup that I'm offering to the disciples at the Last Supper? Can you drink this cup? Are you committed to me no matter what? Just like this marriage uh, traditional activities take place. And then you have a whole year of time where the groom, after that period of time, the groom begins to get the room ready. He's going to build on, onto his parents' home. She's getting ready for the, the wedding ceremony itself. She goes and, and people see her buying the garments, the, the linen, the, the material that they're going to make the wedding dress out of, the bridesmaid's dress, the, the girls who are going to be the lamp holders, who are going to light the way for the groom as he comes to get his bride. And so they're out, in the, and so everyone is involved in the wedding preparation. There's going to be a big feast in the groom's home, first big feast. All their invited guests are going to come to that. There's going to be this wedding ceremony, and so you, the, the bride's got this dress and ready. However, there's something about this 
The bride doesn't know when the wedding's going to be. The bride's parents don't know when the wedding's going to be. The groom doesn't know when the wedding's going to be. And all the groom's family doesn't know when the wedding's going to be. The only one that knows when the wedding's going to be is the groom's father. It is his call. It is his right, for he's the one that chooses when it's time for the groom to go and get his bride. So he watches the preparations. He watches to see that the groom is building the room uh, on side of the house. That the groom is making a, a home for his bride. He watches that. He watches the bride's family as they're preparing, as they're preparing the, the wedding dress, as they're preparing the daughter for his son. And so time goes on and it may be a year. It takes a long time for the guy to build. He's got to, he's got to earn money. He's got to buy materials. He's got to, to build the, the room onto the house. And so the father's watching all that. It takes a while for all the preparations to go by. And all this period of time goes by. Now, after a long period of time, there just kind of becomes a sense that maybe the groom's father is about to say, now it's time, now it's time. But nobody knows when it's time. So did you know that the Galilean bride and the Galilean uh, bridesmaids and all the attendants of the wedding, that they would sleep in their gowns at night after a time, after they're prepared and ready, and after all things are ready? Do you remember in John chapter 14, Jesus says when all things are ready, he, the, 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 the Lord will come and get us? Well, that's, that's a reference to that. And so on the bride's side, when all things are ready, when they see the signs of the times, when they see that all the preparation is made, I mean, what else is he waiting for? What in the world is the groom's father waiting on? All things are ready. But when all things are ready, it may be midnight. It may be 3 o'clock in the morning. It may be 6 o'clock in the morning. It may be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. No one knows. But there's going to be a time that... The groom's father is going to walk up to his son and say, Now go get your bride. Now is time. If it's midnight, then he's going to wake up the groom and he's going to say, Son, all things are ready. Go get your bride. And so when that happens, everything has got to be ready. Everyone's got to be alert. Everyone's got to be awake at that time and awakened. And so there's a stirring that happens along the village and it goes, people start knocking on the doors and says, he said, he said that they, he can go get his bride. And so all the people with the candles and the, and the torches, they've got to go and light. If it's in the midnight, it's dark. They got to light away because it's completely dark. And there'll be a big procession, a big parade. The, the groom's father will lead the way and the groom will go and get his bride and will return her to his house. Now, if, if you don't wake up, if you don't hear the call for the wedding is taking place, you miss out on the feast because there comes a time that everyone is back in the groom's house and the festivities have begun. The marriage ceremony has begun. And everything takes place. The door's locked. And you can't get in. 
And so when Jesus says here, only the Father knows the hour, that's what they understood. That's where, that's, that made sense to them. They didn't sit around and question, what do you mean only the Father understands? They knew without a shadow of a doubt, only the Father knows. And, and I can just see, see Bartholomew saying, yeah, and for my wedding, my father, he was a real prankster with that, and he would act like he was about to tell us, and he didn't. You know, and Peter says, boy, my old dad, geez, man, he made a, he says, tonight might be the night, boys. You know, I would get all excited that I was going to get to go get my bride, and then he would, it wouldn't be the night. And so they all understood what it meant that only the Father knows. So knowing the season and knowing the hour are not the same thing. There's a completely big difference. So believers can recognize the season perhaps, but no one recognizes the hour. And Jesus said concerning the way life will be then, he says in verse 37, For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Now, going about life, marrying, eating, drinking, having birthday parties, Enjoying life, oblivious to the signs of the times. Before Jesus returns, everybody's going to be concerned with themselves. Everybody's going to be doing life. Everyone is going to be concerned about, you know, whether or not they get the promotion, whether or not the kids get this or that, whether or not they have enough money to take this vacation. It's going to be self-absorption. Just totally focus on self. Just life is normal before Christ comes, like it was in the days of Noah. You know, in the days of Noah, think about what that's like. Think about a real dry land. Think about a land where it hardly ever rains. Think about a land where there's not any big lakes. Think about a land where there's not any trees. Just think about just a desert. And there's this guy out there building a huge boat. What would you think about that guy? Man, has anybody called a doctor for Noah? You know, I hear about a real good shrink back in Jerusalem. We may need to go over there and get him. You know, the, Noah's got issues. You know, I, I can just see the ladies bumping it into the Noah's family at the well in different places and going, so what is he really doing out there? Well, he's building this big ark. What's that for? Well, you know, we're, it's, it's for, it's, I don't, God told him to build that ark and we're going to be in it one day. I mean, it's never going anywhere. I mean, what's the, what's the possibility that there's ever going to be enough water here for that thing to float? And so when you see this great gap, this great chasm developing between people of belief and people of unbelief. And do you see that gap happening? Do you see that we are finding ourselves in a period of time where, man, we are seen as Noah's nut jobs, crazy, lost, lost touch of reality? 
What else would you think about it? If you don't believe in a word from God and you don't believe that God's going to speak to a man, and if you don't believe that God exists, then what Noah did was indeed crazy. Didn't make any sense. Not enough water here. I mean, in that boat he's building, I mean, it's not a little boat, little cabin cruiser for him and his family. It's huge. What's he expecting? Well, the animals are going to come from all over, two by two. Oh, man, lock these people up. They're absolutely out of their mind. And so, verse 39 uh, here, Jesus says, and they were unaware until the flood came. They were unaware. And sweat them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Because it's like the days of Noah. Life is just going on, and people are just unaware of the signs of warning and the signs of danger. That's the way it's going to be. And it's hard to hear, and it? it's hard to deal with, but Jesus is telling us that, man, people are going to think that faith is nuts, that belief in Jesus is crazy, that the warnings of Christ are true that the plan of God's salvation for the whole world is just a myth. It's just fairy tale. And don't believe that Jesus thing. Don't believe that God was born of a virgin and, and all this crazy nonsense. I mean, just like Noah is out there in the middle of nowhere building an ark. And then the flood will come and the rains will sweep them all away. They were unaware. The days of Noah is that most people are just unaware. And that's our day. I think there's no question about that. That's our day. Today, there's people going to play, going to golf, going to the lake, going and doing and going and doing, and not one thought about anything spiritual. What's going on? And so, therefore, we pick it up, first of all, just to read these verses and understand this surprise that would happen. Then two men, in verse 40, will be in the field, won't be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken and one left. Therefore, therefore, stay awake. Therefore, Jesus is saying, because of the surprise is going to happen, because people are going to be unaware, and there's going to be this quick, sudden change that's going to take place with the return of Christ. Therefore, therefore, stay awake. The best thing you bride maids can do is to stay awake. Get ready for the return of the groom. Get ready for the, the, the fathers say the time is now. Don't fall asleep to spiritual things. Don't let your faith fall asleep. Don't let your, your guard drop to the things that matter most in this world. There's, only, there's an urgency. There's only so much time. There's a deadline. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day that your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Sure, good illustration there. Jesus would be saying, if you knew a thief was coming at 2 o'clock in the morning, you'd be ready for him. But Jesus is going to come like a thief, and you're not going to know the hour, so you need to stay ready all the time. Therefore, verse 44, 
You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Therefore, two therefores in this scripture right here. Therefore, stay awake. Therefore, be ready for the return of Christ. Are you ready? Are you believing that Jesus Christ is the Messiah? Are you aware? Are you understanding that the only way of salvation is through what Jesus has done for us on the cross when He shed His blood? Have you been born again? Are you one of God's children? Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you got all your things in order? What does it mean to get ready? Well, one thing to get ready is I'll be sure that I'm going to tell all my loved ones about Christ. I'm going to tell all my friends about Christ. I'm going to be sure that everyone has had an opportunity to become one of those despised praise people. Those believers that trust in this ridiculous notion of Jesus' return. I'm going to be ready. I'm not going to wait until it's, until it's too late. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to be, stay awake, be alert spiritually, and I'm going to be ready because Jesus lays out here. Now, you might know the season. You, may, you might have an idea of a large window of time the Lord is going to return, but you're not going to know the hour. You're just not going to know it. And you need to be ready because after the Lord comes, the door is locked. And there's no more opportunity. There's no more opportunity. So, Jesus is coming again. The coming of Jesus the second time is a perspective about life now. It's perspective that there's going to be a reckoning, a perspective that things are going to be made right, a perspective that there is a time limit on the opportunity we have to share the good news of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be ready. Help us to be alert. Help us to be focused on the seasons of time. And thank you, Lord, for your word that gives us direction for these last days. In Jesus' name, amen.